Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Yeah. Thanks to Silver. Thanks to Chris and Johannes. Um, I appreciate you. Uh, before I jump in, uh, and I'm going to just say just uh, I want to I pray together again before I before I share what I, what I would like to share today. Um, so there are times um, before I before I get to speak. Uh, so for those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Daryl. I'm the pastor here at Arbor Bridge. Um, thanks for joining us here or joining us online. Uh, I'm super grateful. It's, what an honor to, to be able to be here, to speak, to, to be the pastor here. It's, it's hard to overstate um, the, the honor that it is. Often when I get to speak, um, what I was saying is that I'll come up here and I'll feel really confident or I'll be like, yeah, I'm going to lay it down and I feel good being up here then there's other days where when I come up and I speak you know I've, I've you know I feel like I haven't had a great week or I'm I've been in a fight with my family or something like that and I feel super unworthy to to be able to get up here to, to speak to you and if, it, it just it's hard it's hard during those times um to feel like I should be up here uh but what God was reminding me of you know, today is that there's no context where I should be able to be up here <laughs> telling anyone about anything. I'm never, I'm never worthy to be up here talking about the Lord. Never. It is just the honor that he affords to me to get to pastor and lead. It, it, that is what he affords to me. It's all grace. It is all his grace. Every single time that I get to speak, it is all his grace. And I might feel more spiritual or better some weeks than others, but it is all his grace. So I thought with that, with, with that thought in mind, I, I better pray. I better pray again <laughs> before I speak uh, and, and just share with you uh, what's going to be on my mind. Um, so, dear Father, uh, what an honor it is to get to share with this congregation every week um, your word. And it is, it is your grace that I get to talk about it. Honestly, it could be any of us. It could be any of us. Um, but you've given, you've given me this opportunity to do it. And so I, I just thank you for that. And I pray that um, you would use me. It's not, not, not I, but Christ through me. Um, and I pray that you'd use my weakness to show your greatness. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, just a quick reminder, um, at the end of our service, we're going to do something together called communion. And um, if you'd like to participate in that, if you're a Jesus follower, um, there are some communion elements on the middle table, the table in the middle of the, the lobby that you've passed on the way in. Um, if you're watching online, we'd love for you to participate if you're a Jesus follower anyway also. Um, so use something that you have at your home. Uh, I, I wanted to confess to you guys that I love God. Um, I do. I, I love God. And I love being in control. And I love being right. Um, I love getting my way. So um, 
And, and that's, that's why, you know, last week I wanted, to, I wanted to have us pray together, you know, God of peace, make my heart pure. Help me to, you know, help me to love one thing. That's what, that's what he's saying there. God of peace, um, will, you, will you make us pure? Will you make me pure? Help me to love one thing. Because it's, it's not, that I, not that I don't love God. I, I, you know, I, I would say that I love God. It's just that I love God and... Um, I love God and, 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 and God's economy, that doesn't work. Um, that doesn't work. It would be like if you were confronting me about concerns about my marriage, you know, you're like, Daryl, I'm not sure. I think you're spending too much time with, or whatever. And I told you, oh, no, 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 it's, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. It's, it's not that I don't love my wife. It's just I love my wife and this woman. Um, <laughs> and clearly, clearly that's, that's not okay. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not okay. It's the end. It's the end part. You know, it's the end that puts tension between me and God. And, and if I'm honest, the tension that I have between me and God, that end, that's, that's the tension between me and God, it puts tension between me and my other relationships. Um, me and my children, me and my wife, it puts tension between me and you and my church family. Um, and it, it's a problem. So James, um, Jesus' half-brother, talked about the problem of loving God and um, and he talks about the problems that comes from it. He says this, he says, what's the source of the conflict among you? What's the source of, of your disputes? Don't they come from your cravings that are at war in your own lives? And then he calls the people he's speaking to adulterers. Um, and, and he wasn't saying they're cheating on their spouses. He was saying that you're loving God and you're loving God and whatever, um, whatever it is. So, so let me, let me share this example. So there have been people in my life, you know, during my, I've been, I've been at our church, what is it, since 2005. So since 2005, I've been at our church in some capacity here. And during that time frame, you can imagine there's sometimes there are people who, who, who didn't like me or didn't, you know, thought I wasn't a good pastor or didn't, you know, I'm sure it's hard for you to imagine, but uh, it's true. That's okay. And that's okay. That's okay. But knowing that they felt that way, knowing that they felt that way tempts me to say, I'll show you. I'll show you, you know, what a good pastor I am. And that simple, simple decision in my mind, I don't even say it out loud typically, that simple decision in my mind leads to me loving God and loving God and um, being successful, loving God and proving I'm right, um, loving God and and. And so it leads to me overworking. It leads to me not having time for my family because I'm busy trying to prove to people who probably don't care anyway that you know, I'm, a, I'm fit to be a pastor. I'm a good pastor. Um, it leads to fights in my marriage and I, and I don't invest the time that, that I, I should be doing, you know, investing because I'm busy trying to prove who I am. And it becomes, it becomes you know, what's always on my mind. It's hard to take, you know, take it out of decisions that I make. Um, it affects everyday conversations. And I, and I try to control everything and anything that's getting in my way of proving myself. So author um, Sarah Young says it like this. She says, whatever occupies your mind the most becomes your God. It's unsettling to me. Um, Whatever occupies your mind the most becomes your God. Worries, if indulged, develop into idols. And anxiety gains a life of its own parasitically infesting your mind. Um, it, is, it is this, it's, it's loving God and something. And so, you know, James, you know, 
half-brother of Jesus, James, what do we do? What should we do? If we, if we realize I'm loving God and I'm loving something else, what do, what do we do? He says this, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, which sounds offensive, right? But <laughs> I mean, that's what we are, right? Sinners, we're sinners, right? Purify your hearts, you double-minded. This is similar to our prayer, like, you know, that we were saying last week, right? This is, this is similar to our prayer last week that we, I just I referenced. We pray that God himself, the God of peace, will make you pure, belonging only to him. That's the double-minded part that James is talking about. He's saying, I, I want you to purify your hearts and don't be double-minded. That's what double-minded means. You're loving God and something else. This is what, I mean, this is what God wants from us. For us to come near him and for us to love him only. Which sounds strange to our ears sometimes, you know, to to love God only. Like, what about my kids? Or or what about my spouse? Or what about my friends? Or what about my family? I mean, they're important to me. What about my career? Um, to, To love him only sounds strange to us, but it doesn't sound strange to us like when we hear it in marriage vows. Um, Do you promise to love this person, you know, only forsaking all others and being faithful only to this person for as long as you both shall live? When we hear it in that context, you know, we go right along with it. Imagine being at a wedding where the question that they're standing up there and the question's asked, you know, do you do these things? And the group says I do I do promise to love her and Susan who's Susan well Susan's the other woman that I'm in love with and if you, imagine if you were at a wedding and you heard someone on the stage say something like that you you might gasp out loud but oh my and you would feel awful for the person, the, the, the bride standing up there. You'd be heartbreaking and terrible. And that would be a wedding you'd talk about the rest of your life, probably. James gives this invitation to come near to God and, and that will purify your heart, keep you from being double-minded, from loving God and something else. If you are a Bible reader, I, and if you're not, I, I would love for you to be. Um, if you're a Bible reader, you know that in the first half of the Bible, the Old Testament is full of these kinds of stories. Uh, the, the, the Jewish people all throughout the Old Testament, it's not that they didn't love God. They always, you know, they, all, they, they loved God or they worshiped God, but they worshiped God and. God would... Um, you know, he would say, come near me, be my people. God, he would say, you know, it has to only be me though. And the people would always say, oh yeah, totally, totally. We are, we are, we are in no matter, and no matter what they did, they were unable to keep those terms for very long. And God would confront the people about loving him and something else. And the people would ignore him. And eventually God would allow consequences to be brought into the lives of the people. And the people would be really, really sorry. And they would say, okay, now we're going to love God and God only. And the process would start all over again. And um, it's, 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 human-wise, it's hard to keep our hearts pure very long. In real life, it's hard, when you think about it, to, to, to really keep our hearts pure for an extended period of time is very, very difficult. 
Last week we read in the book of Ezra that God's people are at a stage in their cycle uh, where they've been punished for loving God and other things and they're really, really sorry now and God is working on restoring the people. He said, I'm, I'm gonna restore this, I'm gonna bring this back, I'm gonna rebuild what they lost. So when the people were far from God, God allowed the Babylonians to come in and des- destroy their nation, take them captive. And then the Persians defeated the Babylonians and then everyone who was a Babylonian captive became a Persian captive. And so God's people realized they were wrong to love God and other things. And he's intent in restoring them in some way. And so God puts it in the heart of the Persian king to send, send, you know, anybody who wants to go back, Jewish people, if you want to go back to your homeland and rebuild it, you can do it. They didn't have to go. The people could stay in Persia, which is interesting because some of them have built a, built a, a decent life in Persia. So they, to decide to go back right off the bat is a, is a, would be a sacrifice it would be a sacrifice for them to make that decision. So the initial decision to go back would be a sacrifice to rebuild the city. But then the first thing they do, the first thing they decide to rebuild when they arrive is a temple. It's a temple, a place where they can worship the Lord. In fact, it says this. When they arrived at the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, it hasn't been rebuilt yet. When they arrived at the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, some of the heads of the families gave free will offerings toward the rebuilding of the house of God on its site. According to their ability, they gave to the treasury for this work. So as soon as they arrive, before they put their luggage down, the people are giving money so that they can build the house of the Lord. Um, they can build it up. And, and when, when they actually get started building, they don't actually build the, build the temple first. They build an altar first. They build the altar first. And then they spend several weeks, several weeks, even several months making sacrifices to the Lord before they build anything and celebrating some festivals together, some Jewish festivals together where they celebrate the Lord. So they they travel from Persia back to Jerusalem and they get there and they say, okay, before we do anything, let's, let's let's just give some money so that the thing can be rebuilt. And then they say, before we start rebuilding, before we start, before we break break ground, let's spend several weeks just, just worshiping and sacrificing to the Lord which I think is really, really interesting. Because when, when I show up somewhere, I'm like, okay, let's get this thing done. But that's how they start. That's how they start. And the key part of the first three chapters of the book of Ezra this in the Old Testament is giving. Like the, the words that come up over and over again are gave and offering and sacrifice. It's just mentioned over and over and over again through that, those first three chapters. And I want you to think about this. Why? Why is that? Why do you think they started with an altar as their first thing they built? And here's why. Here's why. Where your money goes, your heart goes too. Right? Where your resources go, your heart, your heart goes along with it. Where your time and your money goes, your heart, your heart goes too. Even if you don't want it to. If you don't want it to. They needed to rebuild, but more than rebuilding the city, they needed to rebuild their relationship with God. And so God began purifying their hearts through sacrifice. They had come from a place where they had been loving God and, and so they said, okay, let's show up here and let's just invest in our relationship with God. So their time and their energy was going towards that and that was purifying their hearts. So last week I said that we're in a similar position as the Jewish people we're in in the book of Ezra. We're rebuilding um, our church family. 
And our leadership believes that God wants to begin to do this with prayer and margin. Um, and we're, we're going to talk more about what those things mean and all, all that kind of business. But um, just beginning with prayer, um, the, the, we would like to learn to pray differently than we would normally pray. That comes naturally to most of us. Um, that we learn to pray, you know, right, we, we learn to regularly pray prayers like, Father, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Which I think just takes a certain kind of humility that I'm not really used to. It, it, it takes an assumption that I don't really know how to pray well on my own. Seems like a pastor should know how to pray. Well, no. I want to I come to the table saying, Father, teach me to pray. Teach me, teach me what I should pray for. And then God of peace, make me pure. Because I know I have a tendency to not be pure, to love you and something else. I know it. So make me pure. Do what, do what it takes. Do what, I want to invite you to do that. Start with that. And like the Israelites, as we begin our journey of rebuilding, um, you have to determine whether you're willing to come along. I'm saying, so the, the king of Persia told all the Jewish people, hey, listen, if you guys want to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild your city, you can go. But you don't got to. You don't got to. And clearly, as your pastor, I'm saying this. This is, where I, this is where I think we need to go. And you don't got to go. It'll be easier. It's easier if you don't go, but it won't be better. It won't be better, but it might be easier. It may not be easier in the long run. Clearly, we're not re-talking, talking about rebuilding the same the way that they rebuild, you know, rebuilding the church building, but rebuilding our family as a people. When God rebuilds the people, he begins with their hearts. He begins with their hearts. Beginning with our hearts, purity is the key to maintaining a right relationship with God, learning to desire Christ most, not being double-minded, not loving God and something else. Um, and we have to work hard at keeping our hearts pure. And it's, it's an ongoing process. It's always ongoing. And in, in, in this moment, we might be like, yes, I want to love God and him alone. But that, it, doesn't, it, it takes five minutes for us to be like, to let something else in there. So one way of keeping our hearts pure for God is giving and offering and sacrifice. Giving, offering, and sacrifice. And, and, and again, one of the reasons why we struggle to love God in the way he wants to be loved is that we separate him from any kind of giving and offering and sacrifice. And our relationship with God is built on convenience. So let me say this. Clearly, this part of this has to do with money. Um, money is important to, to our rebuild, first and foremost, because our hearts, our, our hearts follow our money. So the place where you invest your resources is where your heart follows. And this is, this is why God commands that we give. This is why he commands that we give, because he knows our hearts and, and giving is a way for us to invest our hearts back into his kingdom, back into where he is, back to where, you know, to, 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 to purify our hearts. But the second reason that giving is important um, to, to our rebuild is that our, you know, our family won't exist without it. There can be no rebuild without, you know, your consistent investment in God's kingdom. So uh, <clears throat> I was reading, reading uh, after, uh, after World War II, much of Germany was destroyed um, Cities had been completely destroyed. And in addition to that, there was no national government. I didn't know this, but there was no national government, which 
makes sense. You know, no one, there was no one in place to lead the country. And that went on for like that for, for, for many years. So uh, the U.S. put together um, something called the Marshall Plan. Um, and it was basically a plan, you know, in 1948 where our country spent like $15 billion. So you know, think about that. $15 billion today is a ton of money. But in 1948, an astronomical amount of money. $15 billion trying to help European nations rebuild, especially Germany. And it wasn't just about rebuilding structures and, and buildings. It was about rebuilding the German people, helping them. Rebuilds cost money, right? So a couple of weeks ago at our State of the Church meeting, uh, one of our elders, Michael Boyd, uh, he shared with you our budget for 2022. If you are a part of our church family and you want to, uh, to, to see what we talked about, um, it's that, that's online. I can make that available to you. Um, reach out to me. If you're, uh, if you're watching at home and you'd like to reach out to me at the bottom of every page of our website, there's a way that you can, you can reach out and say, hey, Daryl, I'd love to, to see the state of the church. I'll make that available to you. But in his address, uh, he talked about how you can invest in this church family. So we have a goal of averaging $2,000 per week in giving from, from members of our congregation. Once a month, I want to commit to uh, me or one of, our, one of our elders getting up here and letting you know how we're doing on this goal. We're saying, saying, saying out loud. So again, and those of you guys who've known me a long time, you know, I don't like to talk about money. It's like my least favorite thing to have to talk about as a part of my job. But the, the, what happens, obviously, when you do that is when you ignore something like that, it, it ends up causing trouble. And so I want to commit to you in 2022 to say, hey, just so you know, this is how it's going in our goals towards um, reaching this for each week. So I want to say this. So throughout 2021, we gave about $1,970 each week. Um, our goal was $2,150. Um, and like I said, so 2022, our goal was $2,000. Um, so throughout the month of January, we gave, uh, we've been averaging about $1,500, a little bit, or almost $1,600 a week, um, clearly below our goal. So for us to reach our weekly goal, it's going to take all of us. It'll take all of us participating in making this happen. Um, and so if, you, if you're, and let me say this out loud, if you're already, you know, giving regularly and intentionally, um, thank you for your generosity. Again, I, it's hard to overstate how grateful I am for your generosity. But and again, it's not even about me, right? It's not about me. It's about you and the Lord. <clears throat> Thank you, though. Thank you. If you're a part of our church family and you are not intentionally and regularly giving, I'm asking you to obey the command to give, not my command. Clearly, it's the Lord's command. Um, I've talked with some of you guys before about the idea of uh, percentage giving, intentional, regular percentage giving. And what I mean by that is, is ask the question, what percentage of the income that God's giving me do I plan on giving back to him and his church? Um, so 
let me, let me confess this to you guys. Sometimes when I give money, it's based on how motivated or, or how moved I am by what's happening around me. Like if I go somewhere and the, and the speaker is really, really great, then I'm like, ooh, I'm, yeah, let me, let me give some money to that thing because he did such a good job. Or, or like if I'm driving somewhere, I'm, I, my, my, my family, I live in Inkster, sometimes when I drive there, I'll see homeless people. And if it's super cold outside and it's, the, the situation's just right, I, my heart will move. I'm, oh, so sad, I'm, I'm gonna give money to that. And so sometimes when I give, it's motivated by, emotion or what's, what's happening. Or, or sometimes I give, it's based on what I have in my wallet, what I happen to have in that moment. It's like, oh, you know, okay, let me see what I got here. That, that, that kind of giving. Um, when the Father asks us to give, it's not, it's not that kind of giving, right? When he's commanding us to give, it's not, not, the, not giving that's based on, you know, how I'm feeling that day or what I happen to have in my pocket. Um, when he's asking us to give, it's intentional, premeditated, sacrificial giving. Um, and and what, I, what I would suggest to you is this, what I want to, you know, again, bring up to you is this, is praying and asking the Lord, what percentage of, of the income that he is giving you that they that you should give back to the church. And if you're married, talk with your spouse about it too. Each of you should talk together and you should agree. Um, if, if, if you come up with a number that's higher than what your spouse feels comfortable with, then maybe God is trying to use your spouse to say, let's right-size that number. Or maybe the opposite happens and God wants you to give more. But I, you need to agree with your spouse if you have a spouse and what you should be giving. Um, mm. So in regards to our money, God's most concerned with how it affects our heart long-term. Obviously, God has all the money in the world. But what he's most concerned with is you and your heart. He knows that if we let him, he can use our money to purify our hearts. If we let him. To keep us from loving God and ourselves. And that won't happen if we give without discipline or what our leftovers are or whenever we feel like it, it happens when we give sacrificially and regularly and intentionally. Um, so, and, and again, let me say this out loud. Um, if you have an income, um, I, and again, I don't know all your finances, but I, I, I'm, gonna, I, I'm gonna go out on a limb and I say this because if you have an income, income you should be giving. Um, even if you decide to give a small percentage of, and that's all you can do. And you, and you might be like, Daryl, I'm, I'm poor. I don't got, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm with that. <laughs> I'm with that. I've, I've spent the better part of the, mo, you know, much of my life not having enough money to do whatever. And if I had waited until I had enough money, if you have an income, you should be giving, even if you decide to give a small amount. So traditionally in Christian circles, 10% is like the gold standard of giving. And there's lots of reason for that. We could talk about it at a different time, but 10% is not a biblical command for Jesus followers in 2022. Uh, we're told to give, but the percentage isn't given. So um, some of us need to give you know, more than 10%, but maybe at this time, for whatever reason, all you can give is like 2% of your income. Great. That's what, you know, begin doing that. It's a habit. It's a habit. It's a habit that God wants you to have in your life so that he's just helping you purify your heart. It's a habit. So in regards to your giving, I'd like, you to, I'd like to ask you to fill out one of these super fun investment cards that are going to be out on the 
middle table when you go out. And it has, it has a couple parts on it. Um, it has a part where you can fill out um, one section that you'll get to keep and one section that, you know, we'd like for you to, to share with us. And it's a card that basically says, this is what I intend to invest in this church family this year. No one's going to call you and try to force you to give what you write down, but it's a tool. It's a tool. It's a tool for us to know as a leadership, you know, if, we, if we're setting our goal too high um, or maybe we're setting it too low. Um, sometimes when we're, when we're sitting around talking about giving, we're like, well, why didn't people give in January? Or, you know, maybe they've got this or bills from, we have no idea. So it's a way for us to communicate. And again, in your family, you communicate if you, if, in your family, you should communicate about money. This is just our way of doing that. We're communicating about money. Um, so, but it's also a way, it's also a stepping up tool or accountability tool for yourself. It's a way for you to hold yourself accountable to giving what you say you'll give and challenging yourself with what that will, what that will be. And again, it, no one's going to bother you or ask you or whatever. It's, it's, you, you feel me. So um, there's a part of the card that, that you can cut off and keep for yourself, pin it up in your closet to remind you of your commitment. Think about it. Pray about it. Talk about it and talk about with your family, you know, with your family, you know, what you guys are going to give this year. Cut off the, the smaller section of the card. Keep that for yourself. And then next Sunday, bring back the bigger section and put it in the white box that's in the lobby that says tithes and offerings um, for, uh, for us to use. And if uh, for, for, uh, for, your, for our friends who are joining us online and you will not be here in person, there's a form online that you can use um, at arborbridgechurch.com forward slash investment. Um, I meant to make criticize for that, but I didn't. So there's that. Uh, arborbridgechurch.com forward slash investment. If you're on our email list, certainly we'll, we'll send that out again. Um, let me say this out loud just, just for funsies. So um, in pastor world, all you guys know, it's always weird for pastors to talk about money because this is how I get paid and get to eat and live indoors. Anyone, any, again, you, you, you talk with anyone who's like, man, is Daryl just trying to get us to give more money so that he can whatever, get things that he wants to. If you think that, or if you feel that, I'd love for you to come talk with me, but better than talking to me, talk to anybody who's been here for 15 minutes. Anybody, anyone who's gone to church with me and been with me these several years and ask, ask them, say, is, is Daryl just about money? Is he just trying to get us to give money so that, ask him, ask him. When Jesus was on earth, he gave the people a warning. He always giving people warnings about money. Not because money's bad. Money, you know, money's not bad. But it competes with God for our trust and our allegiance. And then if it does that, then it's bad. Anything that does that's bad. My heart, my heart tends to drift towards putting my trust in things that I can control. Like my money. So when I have money, I feel like I'm in control of my future. I'm in control of my life. And when I have less money, I feel like I'm less in control. When the reality is that I'm never in control. God is in control. When I have money, I feel like I need God less. I want us in this church family to know that we desperately need God, whether we have money or whether we don't. 
So as we take communion today, um, I want us to go back to the prayer that Silver Air led us through. The final words that Jesus spoke on this earth before he died on the cross for our sins. He prayed, into your hands I commit my spirit. We can use that prayer for us as we learn to trust God with our resources, with our money, but certainly with our time, with anything that is valuable to us. This is my, that's my calling to you or my request of you. Would you be willing, would you be willing to pray this prayer, uh, centering prayer, breath prayer, as, as we take communion together and remember Money is not the way that we get what we want. If we trust in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. Let's pray together um, and then we'll, uh, we'll have some time to, to take communion. Um, dear Father, I don't, I don't want to love you and other things. I want you to have my, uh, my exclusive allegiance. And that is, is difficult and challenging for me to keep it that way, even when I intend to. Even when I, when I start off on a Sunday like today and I say, man, I'm, I'm going to keep my focus in my prayer. Just everything's going to be pure for, for the Father. I start off that way, but it doesn't take long for me to get off track. So I just pray, I pray that during this time of communion, that you would purify our hearts. Purify our hearts. Teach us to pray prayers like this. Father, purify my heart. Help me not to be double-minded. I pray that those are the kind of prayers that would be on the tips of our tongues. We'd want to pray those kinds of things all the time. And that you would show up, you would show up here amongst us and you would prepare us, you'd rebuild us so that we can minister to each other and minister to the world. We can't do that without you. We can't, we can't, it's not going to happen. But with you, we can do all things. Purify our hearts for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.